You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. I'm uh, an immigration attorney. I'm originally from Israel, actually. I came to the United States to, uh, to go to law school. And, you know, before I came to the United States, I studied law in England. But before that, I served in the Israeli army. I was in the Air Force. And I think that's where it kind of starts. You know, when you, you get the foundation about rewiring your mindset. Back then, I didn't realize that that's what happened. But that's kind of how we were trained to lead a more focused, balanced life. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The manhood experiment. The manhood experiment. Before we continue, we need your help. We'd like to reach more like-minded people just like you and share our knowledge on personal growth, health, and success. So can you do us a favor and in your podcast app, hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star review and leave us an encouraging comment. Do it right now while you listen to this episode. That will help us know you're listening and that you care, and that little action will help us reach more folks. Now back to our show. Welcome to this week's episode of The Manhood Experiment. In this episode, we'll be discussing great habits and principles you can use to alleviate and overcome burnout and work-related stress. Let's check in. Dreams, how are you doing, man? Big dreams in the house. Watch your mouth. Man, I'm feeling good, T. Just glad, you know, to be up. I'm glad to have family. I'm, I'm blessed. Real good space right now. I'm glad we have a guest on the show today. Mm-hmm. Definitely excited to meet this gentleman and uh, learn more. I know the listeners are hyped and excited as well. How you been, T? I've been good. I've been good. I've been trying to schedule this with Jacob. To tell the truth, Jacob is the first guest that we have had on this podcast after 20-something episodes. Yes, sir. So you're our guinea pig, Jacob. You're our prototype. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Now, Jacob is a serial entrepreneur and an immigration attorney and the founder of the law offices of Jacob J. Sapochnik, based in San Diego, California. He's been practicing law for over 20 years and has been recognized as a top immigration lawyer in the United States. And he's a frequent speaker, commentator on immigration issues. He has been featured in various media outlets such as CNN, Forbes, and the New York Times. Now, I've known Jacob for about 10 years, and this guy is great at a few things. Building businesses, keeping customers happy and clients happy. But behind the scenes, he's also good at keeping his cool. So let's kick this off. And Jacob, welcome. And tell us a little bit about yourself in your own words, who you are and what you're passionate about. Thanks for having me, Tarek. It's a pleasure. I've been listening to your podcast and uh, it's an honor to be here. So, you know, as you mentioned, I'm uh, an immigration attorney. I'm originally from Israel, actually. I came to the United States to, uh, to go to law school. And, you know, before I came to the United States, I studied law in England. But before that, I served in the Israeli army. I was in the Air Force. And I think that's where it kind of starts. You know, when you you get the foundation about rewiring your mindset, 
back then I didn't realize that that's what happened, but that's kind of how we were trained to lead a more focused, balanced life because without that, as you know, the Israeli uh, military, they are very, very um, efficient with using uh, less to do more. And I think that's kind of how it started. So, you know, I came here, I, I went to law school, I started my law firm uh, in 2004. And from early on, we were focused on um, customer service being the, you know, different kind of attorneys, more focused on kindness, the experience of customer service and how the clients are reacting to how we are basically dealing with them, not just the services, but also the human factor of being an attorney, uh, helping somebody who is coming to the United States. Over the years, I decided to focus on social media to build my practice. And as you know, now we have a very large social media, both you know Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We continue to create free content to educate people. And by doing that, we are able to um, work with many, many clients from all over the world and continue to build stuff. And, and as you know, over the years, I've done other things. I had coffee shops, co-working space, and many other businesses. We together have done some other stuff on e-commerce. And the idea is that it's important to um, balance your life, to do different things in order to stay focused. You can't just do one thing for the rest of your life. It's really important to have diversity. And I think we'll dive into that as well in the show to kind of share how it's important to have diversity in your life as opposed to just having one thing until you die, right? Nice. So the listeners should know, Jacob, you grew up in Israel. You served in the army. I didn't know that you learned some of those principles there. Given that your Jewish background, have you studied Kabbalah? So I, I've studied Kabbalah, portions of Kabbalah, not when I was in Israel, but actually later on here in the U.S. with different practitioners and just, you know, on my own. In fact, you know, when I was in university, I, I was a tarot card reader. I don't know if you know that. Mm, I didn't know that. It was like a, like a side thing. And when I was able to learn a little bit of the Kabbalah principles, they have a lot of interesting things that talk about, mm -hmm. you know, just the human nature and how people are living their life and why. You know, Kabbalah has different disciplines, but mm -hmm. what I was more interested in is, is why, why mm -hmm. things are happening, why, you know, certain things are uh, happening to people in life. And you get a lot of answers from some of the readings, you know, some of the practices that you do. And it's actually very important because it gives you clues. It doesn't tell you what to do, but it gives you mm -hmm. options. So for example, if you you know, going through some tough time in your life and you are, you know, following some of the principles, it doesn't, it's not going to lead you the way, but it's going to give you some tools how to handle certain things. Because at the, at the end of the day, nobody can tell you what to do. It's really going to be up to you to take action. Right. But it's nice to have some guidance and give you some tools to be able to move forward. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Let's talk about the tools and the guidance here. So we'll be really discussing a few topics. And I have a, a few questions for you given that you have such good energy, such good balance in your life, because I've seen you behind the scenes, I've seen you in the work environment, in stressful situations, how you handle yourself. First question is, how do you stay balanced and happy versus stress and overwhelm? What are some things you do in your daily life? So, you know, it's it's obviously not always been the case. You know, I've obviously been stressed. And, and to this day, there are moments where you feel, um, mm -hmm. you know, that you're kind of like almost like frozen, right? But I think for me, it definitely goes back to the mindfulness practice that I started doing years ago, which goes from meditation, a lot of breathing practices, a lot of self-reflection. You know, it's it's basically the idea is to uh, to do this every day, not just when you stress. 
You know what I mean? So I think that's really the thing because a lot of people, they jump into crisis mode when things happen and then they go into uh, rehab or whatever the, the crisis mm-hmm. is, uh, start meditating, you know, yeah. and then they stop. And I think if you do a little bit every day of, for example, I, I, you know, I get up in the morning, I, you know, do 10 minutes of breathing session, then I go down to the kitchen, drink water with lemon, warm water with lemon, and then I don't do anything for like 30 minutes. I may go work out mm-hmm. or something else or go for a walk. But uh, the consistency of a routine, any routine, you know, you know, you can choose your routine. I mean, mine is this, and then I'll go and, and have a light breakfast, maybe a smoothie or something, and then drink a lot of water and then start my day. But by doing that, they're having that routine, knowing that you are, you know what to expect. And when I get into a stressful situation, I definitely turn into a box breathing. The first thing I do is like, you know, four breath in, hold for four seconds, and then four seconds out and then hold again. Yeah, so you mentioned breath work and you're talking about box breathing. So again, give the listener the exact formula for that. Four seconds in. Yeah, so the way I do it is like you you breathe four seconds in, so from the nose, mm-hmm. four seconds, you hold it in four seconds, then you let it out four seconds from your mouth, and then you hold it again uh, four seconds. So it's kind of like a box. And mm-hmm. I know that, the, for example, Navy SEALs, they use that. The Israeli uh, Special Forces, they use that to get into balance and calm down. But this is like the most effective way to uh, ground yourself whenever there's like, a, like an immediate crisis. But I think over long term, it's important to find your, whatever works for you, whether some people, mm-hmm. they like to do a walk, some people, they like to just close your, their eyes and listen to music uh, for 10 minutes. Whatever that is, it, it has to have, you have to have that routine because otherwise people turn to medication and I think when that happens, it's really hard to come out of that. When you start getting depression, taking medications for depression or any other thing, it's just like a vicious cycle at that point. Yeah. And I like what you said. You said it's something that you can do not only in a morning routine when you get up, but it's something like when you feel reactive, when you feel overwhelmed throughout the day, you can practice something like box breathing or you could step back and go for a walk. You mentioned self-reflection as well. What does that entail for you? How do you do self-reflection? So self-reflection has different ways how you can do it. Like for example, the way I do it is is literally just, you know, sit with myself and kind of like almost rewind the day or a certain thing that happened. For example, let's say, you know, I had an argument with a client or an issue with an employee at the firm. So um, I'll do kind of like a reverse, you know, almost rewind the whole thing that happened in my head and say, oh, this is what happened, this is what happened. So instead of having anger or frustration, I basically analyze it in a situation and realize, you know what, this is where I was wrong, this is where he was wrong, this is where, and at the end of the day, you make a conclusion. Well, is it worth it to proceed with whatever the steps I'm gonna do or just let it go? And, and then I make that decision. Sometimes, you know, you need to take action. For example, if somebody continues to, uh, disrespect you or do something, you need to take action to, to stop that. You know, there are cases where people are just not worth it. You know what I mean? So you have to make that kind of inventory and make that decision. And that's kind of how you go back into your place of power. And I'll give you an example. I remember when I, when I was in basic training, there was a, uh, one of the officers there, you know, he was very, uh, abusive, I think, to the, to the rest of us. And, mm-hmm. and I remember that, you know, we were all kind of sitting and talking about how we hate this guy and everything. And, and I remember when we, when we finished uh, basic training, we, went, we, mo- we moved back to our, our duties. We became, you know, we went to the Air Force. And I remember a year later, 
one of my friends who stayed in base and he became an officer, he told me that the guy committed suicide. And apparently he was going wow. through a lot of hardship already in his life. You know what I mean? So sometimes if you look at it this way, why is somebody being unkind? Why is somebody being mean? You know, maybe it's something internal, right? If you look at it that way, 90% of the time it's true. 10% mm -hmm. of people are, are mean by, by nature, right? There's nothing you can do right. about it. But most people, they, they fight some demons that are beyond what they can do. And it, it was just, um, and I always remember that, but that's kind of how, how I do it. Yeah. And I like that you said that you play it through your mind and it's almost like you bring some peace to it and you just let it go. You release it. So. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So how do you stay productive versus busy? There's productivity and there's being busy. And I see people these days always juggling too many things at once, you know, and it seems like they're like headless chicken going in circles. Right, right. But you seem to have a lot of work in front of you, different projects, but you always seem to be making a lot of progress while you keep your healthy lifestyle, et cetera. How do you find your version of productivity and avoid being that busy person? Yeah. So as you know, and you know me, Pretty well, Tarek. I think for me, the key is delegation, right? You know, I mm -hmm. delegate everything. So, um, you know, in my practice, I barely do any, you know, I haven't literally practiced law for more than six years. I do mostly like supervision, um, you know, checking on the team, but I don't, whatever I don't have to do, I delegate pretty much everything. Even my email, I don't check my email. I have a person that checks the email and she sends me a, a message every day with the most important emails. So, whatever I can delegate, I delegate. I don't do anything. You know, in, in the house, you got cleaners, clean the house, gardener does the garden, somebody makes the meals. Everything you can delegate, you delegate. And I focus on the most important thing is spending time with the people I care about and taking care of myself. You know what I mean? That's pretty much the best you can do. Now, delegation doesn't happen in one day, right? It, mm -hmm. it takes time. You can't just delegate everything in one day. You have to start slow. So, you know, I started, you know, by getting an assistant to do here and there starting offloading projects, then starting, you know, doing the same thing in, the, in, in personal life, right? Getting a cleaner, getting a whatever. So um, eventually, as you start offloading more and more, you start realizing that your time is spent on the most important things, which is focusing on yourself, spending time with your family, and planning how you're going to be able to make more income to be able to afford all these delegation stuff, right? Right. So um, it's a constant cycle. As you move on, you start making more money. You start making more, you know, you have more time. So it's kind of like, like that. But for me, delegation is the key because the more you delegate, the less you have to do and the more uh, you're focused on the thing that matter. You know, I talked to, uh, to a colleague of mine, an attorney, like, how's everything going? He's like, oh my God, I'm super busy. Mm -hmm. um, the guy's working 18 hours a day, right? Is it a positive thing that you're busy? Not anymore, right? People who are too busy, it's a red flag, right? So it's important to be productive and fulfilled and not busy, right? Because busy is not a good thing. Busy, And the more you say I'm busy, the more your mind starts to think. So it's, it's important to realize that what you say to yourself is also going to be a reflection of how you move forward. So for example, if you say to yourself, hmm. man, you know, we don't have business, economy is hard. You know, yesterday the Silicon Valley bank collapsed, as you mm -hmm. heard. And people say, oh my God, recession is coming. Everything's going to go down. The more we say those things, the more we attract those right. things to our life, right? But the yeah. more you start saying, listen, mm -hmm. things are good. You know, I've got enough business. I am focused on growth, building, this and that. The more you talk about that kind of stuff, the more you have that in your life, right? The more you, you talk about how your relationship is bad, how your wife is annoying, 
how you know the more is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So I think since I started work, focus, and I wasn't always like that. Obviously, I was you know I did all the mistakes obviously, but the more you focus on positive reaffirmation of your mind and delegation of physical tasks, yeah, it's like imagine you walk into your house and it's a mess. Clothes are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Dishes are in the sink. Would you want to stay in that house? No. You want to get out of that place, right? But the moment you walk in, the place is tidy. It's nice. Smells great. Do you know what I mean? It's the same thing in your life, right? It's the same thing. So the more you, you keep your house tidy inside, the more it's, it's also, uh, you know. The other thing is that I like the, the house analogies because it's also important to build a house inside yourself, a home, it's meaning that we as humans, we tend to uh, build homes in other people. For example, if we have a partner, we tend to shift everything to them. Oh my God, if they're not happy, our life is horrible. When our partner leaves us, we're devastated. We don't eat, we stay in the house, we cry for months. And the why is that? It's because we gave them the power to make us happy. Same thing at work. Mm-hmm. We give our boss the power to control our life by telling us what to do. And instead of being more like a partnership, in terms of like, you know what, we, we, he needs me as much as I need him in a way. You know what I mean? So the moment you start yeah. building a house in yourself, meaning that you control it, you also protect your house, meaning that if my friend is toxic, he's not entering my house, right? I severe ties with these people. And the more people you let go from your life, you clear that space, the better quality you start realizing, right? Because, you know, our friends from childhood, I'm not saying you have to eliminate them in the sense that you don't have to talk to them anymore, but the less time you spend with them, the more time you spend with people that bring value and enrich your life, the more your life is going to progress, right? Imagine you stay in the same hood for the rest of your life. You're not, you're not gonna go anywhere, right? You're gonna stay in right. the hood, right? right? But the moment you take the hood into your heart, say, you know, this is where I came from. I'm not gonna change my values, but I'm gonna spend my time with other people that elevate me and take me to, to the next level. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it's gonna happen. So that's really my philosophy. Hey listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind-the-scenes moments. Now, back to the show. I really connect with that, Jacob. Right. I really connect with a lot of what you just said. One, we were just talking about on our last podcast, uh, you know, not to let people validate you more than you validate yourself. Absolutely. You know, to make sure that you see yourself first as priority, you're taking care of yourself health-wise, mentally, right. and taking care of that house of what you said. I love right? metaphors. <laughs> and you know, it's interesting because I, I was talking to a friend of mine mm-hmm. and I had the same conversation with a female friend and a male friend. And, and this is in the dating world. Mm. So my friend was saying, listen, I'm on these dating apps and I'm texting all these girls. And then, um, you know, we talk a little bit and then they don't respond or I go on one date and then they ghost me. And and then he starts feeling sad and deflated. And the same thing for a female. The female, it's even worse because then she feels worthless and, you know, a th- uh, thoughts of um, just basically like giving up on life. Things like like- but why is it happening? Because yeah. basically these two people gave the power to all these individuals on the apps to take their happiness away. Because just mm-hmm. because somebody ghosted them doesn't mean that that person has the power to devalue you. It is their issue, right? Right. They're not able to handle you. They don't have the, the maturity to realize the kind of person that you are. So mm-hmm. if you reverse it and say, you know what? I actually dodged the bullet because if they don't want to talk to me, that means they, don't, they didn't give enough time to get to know me. You know what I mean? So 
Yeah. By, mm. by taking away the power from other people, if somebody tells you, you know, you're ugly or whatever, who are they to judge? Mm-hmm. Somebody's appearance or True. value, do you know what I mean? And, right. and, and the best example is, I remember I used to work in a store when I was in university, you know, in England for, for, for a few weeks. And I remember there was this guy, he was short, kind of stocky, bold, and he had this beautiful wife. And we all wondering, how did he able to get this woman? He wasn't wealthy. He wasn't, he was just like a manager there. And, and I remember, and I couldn't understand it for years, but years later, you know how you re- reflect back on your life, you realize that the one thing that he had was a very high self-esteem because he knew that he was a good guy. He knew that he was treating people well. And this woman, all she wanted was a good guy to treat her well with respect. And he gave her that, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's not about appearance and the Maserati and the watches. It's about being, con- and, and he was very confident. He had this yeah. a masculine power that even men were attracted to being around him because of the way he was carrying himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah. and every time I you know, feel kind of like uh, bad and by myself, and something, I remember that person mm-hmm. and like, this is incredible. Why was he like that? Because it's something in his childhood probably. He was, had a very yeah. strong foundation to be able to come out of that. Like I said, he was probably five, six, I mean, like I said, balding, he was in his 30s back then, and yet he was able to attract this beautiful woman to be his partner. You know what I mean? How you carry yourself. Yeah. How do you carry yeah. yourself from the inside? It's all inside. in the inside, right? If you see yourself as this beautiful human, everybody else will, will do the same. Right. So and it's, right? it's so it comes down to prioritizing yourself, your space, your time, and also your self-worth. It's, it's valuing yourself. 100%. Yeah, to lead to a balanced, productive life. Right. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? I got a question for you, Jacob. When do you feel that you got to like, finally like a comfort level when you delegated? Like at what age did you meet this goal or how long was it within your career until you finally like broke through and said, ah, I got the pieces in place now. So like, how long did that take for you? So let, let, so that's a good question. And, and, and the reason why I like this question is because this is the most common question that people ask me about this, this whole theory of delegation. And I'll tell you, for me, it happened by necessity. And so maybe the first year in, in, uh, when I started the law firm, I really hated doing the, the physical work to the point where it was actually hurting my soul and my physical, you know, like I didn't like it. So I wasn't able to afford my first paralegal, but I knew that it would make me feel better if I would have somebody to help me to do certain things. And so I hired that first person, even though I wasn't able to afford her. Now, Back then, I didn't realize that that is the pivot moment because you have to get help before you're comfortable. You understand? And the reason is because once you're comfortable, then your mind starts being very, very tricky. The mind says, why would you spend the money on this person? We're good. Why would you do this? When I was in a position that I wasn't able to afford this person, I basically freed myself because I hated doing this particular task. And by freeing myself, I was immediately able to go out and meet people and do whatever I have to do to bring more business, right? I realized it later on. Mm. But the point is that delegation has to happen as early as possible because now what I tell people is, what is your goal, basically? So let's say your goal is to be able to make X amount of money, have a vacation, blah, blah, blah. You start with a goal and then you go backwards, right? So your goal is to make X amount of money, go on vacation with your wife, Uh, buy a Tesla. You start with that and say, what do I need to do that? I need X amount of money. I need this and that. To be able to get there, you need time. 
to be able to get generate the business and all that. You don't have time. So the time is where you start delegating. Do you know what I mean? So that's how you should look at it. Mm -hmm. Because for me, if I was waiting to become comfortable, I would never hire that person for years to come. And that will be a, a whole different way how I grow my business. So right. the point is that- I love that. You need to say to yourself, this is my goal. Now I'm going to delegate this and that. And then you start doing the things that will get you to a goal. And it's, right. it's very scary. That's why most people don't do it. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you talk to a, a typical attorney that is a solo with a paralegal, they're scared to hire another attorney because it's gonna, that means they have to pay another pay, another salary, right. right? But they don't realize that by doing that, they're gonna be able to increase their income, have free time to be humans, yeah. uh, to relax and to spend time with their family. They don't see it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. that's where the problem is. The problem is that you have to be scared before you, you start delegating, because if you're not scared, you're not going to delegate. Right. Understood. So you put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. You have to. To kind of give you that extra boost of energy, I see. And you have to trust. Yeah. And it's, it, trust is a key factor in everything that you do in terms of delegation or, or getting into a goal. If you don't trust people, then you're not going to be able to do anything. You know what I mean? Like micromanaging, coming back to check on people. Mm. You know, Tarek knows I'm rarely at the office. I show up maybe once a week. You know what I mean? <laughs> and people ask me, oh, you know, how do you do this? Why do you do this? You know, they're going to steal from you. They're going to do this. The point is that the less I show up, the better they perform because mm -hmm. their goal is to show that they don't need me. They can do everything themselves. They're, they're proud to show me that they're doing well. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because I trust mm -hmm. them. They know that. You know, if I, if I was the kind of person that come in, hey, did you do the work? Hey, you know, why are you on computer? Why are you on Facebook? Uh, it's 10 a.m. What did you leave 30 minutes before? You know what I mean? I don't yeah. care about that. As long as the work is done, right? Yeah. And so, but once right. you have that kind of mindset, they have no interest in trying to do something behind your back because they know I'm not going to check. Right. As long as the clients are happy and the work mm -hmm. is done, that's all I care about. I like you know that. What I mean? That's, that's, I brought my hot sauce today, man. <laughs> Barbecue sauce. Yeah. You're dropping nuggets. And that's freedom, right? The freedom is the freedom not to worry about, not to check. You know, it's like, yeah. And again, yeah. I always like to compare things to relationship because they're really connected. It's like the guy who's checking on his wife and look at her phone, check her messages, or worry that she's going to cheat on him, right? There's no freedom in this relationship because in his mind, he's already a prisoner. Do you think mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. He's manifesting something already. That same guy will be the same at work. It will be the same at the way he's with his friends. Oh, is this friend going to, is he with me because uh, he likes me or is he just going to use me for my money, whatever? There's no freedom in that kind of mindset, right? Because there's no trust. Yeah. So let's pivot. Let's ahead, pivot Steve. a little bit. And there's something I like also that I see in you, Jacob. You know how to deal with conflict. And a lot of people, they have the overwhelm. They have the busy. They're working too much in the business. And you're talking about just extracting yourself from the business, right. getting perspective, and learning the power of delegation, et cetera. But the day-to-day -day stresses also is in people interaction, and that creates conflict. I've seen you in tough situations that you handle pretty well. How do you deal with conflict? So, you know, conflict has different levels, right? It depends on who you're dealing with. So, for example, let's say we're dealing with somebody, like let's say a client, client who's angry, he's screaming at everybody at the office. I feel that it's important to understand who you're dealing with. So if you're dealing with somebody who is very emotional, somebody who's coming from a point where they, you know, they, you know, their life is in the, uh, the line, they, they came to you for help, now there's a problem. It's really important 
to make them feel that you're listening to them instead of fighting them chin to chin, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you are in a personal situation and somebody is like a neighbor or somebody is trying to be aggressive, then it's important to show them that you have control. Do you understand? Because that's really important in situations where you don't really know who your opponent is to show that you're always in control. And I'm not not talking about physical violence. I'm talking about necessarily what you say, how you diffuse the situation, and very important not to show your emotions in a way where they can see where your weakness is. And the best way to do it is to take a small pause, Mm. kind of like before you answer anything, and tell yourself, I've got this, I'm not going to fall. In the sense that, it's like I imagine myself walking on a thin line, and the, the, and the person is ahead of me, and, and, and which one of us is going to fall into the net below us, right? It's not going to be me, mm-hmm. right? That mindset helps you control the situation because once you start getting emotional, you lost the battle. Emotional means you start screaming, mm-hmm. cursing, you know, banging things on the wall, whatever. The moment you keep composure, and you know, in, in any business negotiation, the key is the people who win are the ones who stay calm and are able to read the mind of the opponent, and remember, people who are emotional are the best opponents because you can read them right away. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so in my case, like I said, if it's a client, then I obviously I, I listen, I sympathize, and I usually, I tend to agree with them, right? So the key to, to overpowering any negotiation is to agree with your opponent. So for example, somebody says, you guys charged me over, you know, you charged me too much. I paid all this money and you've done nothing. And you say, I agree. You paid a lot of money. And you've been working with us for so long. Let me show you what we've done for you. So you, 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 instead of saying, no, you know, you, you know, the money you paid, this, right. you agree with mm-hmm. them first, and then you go back to your point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So be, this way people are- Completely diffused it. Diffuse it, exactly. So the key is always to, mm-hmm. to find a way for you to stay in control and to find a way to kind of overpower your opponent uh, mentally by uh, you know, listening to them, responding, validating, and never losing your cool. That's key. I like that. Dreams. Yeah. What What do you say about that? Because you work in a situation where you deal with people on a day-to-day basis as well. Right. Yeah. I have a, a number of different clients. You know, sometimes the market's doing well. Sometimes the market's not doing right. well. And, you know, it's a long-term game. So different people may come to you based on whatever day uh, started their energy off. And you have to deal with that energy, right? You have to work with it. One thing that you have to do uh, that I agree, Jacob, you have to sympathize. You know, once you begin to sympathize with somebody and look at it from their perspective, it completely kind of, it lowers the frustration. You're no longer their opponent, for one. They're not against you anymore. Because now you've positioned yourself as being on the same team. Let's figure this out together. Yeah, It completely changes the conversation. And that's one thing that I do, that I take in consideration with every interaction to make sure first I understand what the issue is and then I can sincerely sympathize towards the issue with this. They feel like their time was devalued or they feel that they had to wait so long to get an appointment with me or something like that. And them knowing that I work with a number of different clients. Another thing that I do is I pre-state my position earlier. So that way, say if something's brought up again, I can reference it. And like, say, an introduction. That's good. That way people can already say, hey, remember, I told you I work with a number of different clients. The best way to reach me is via email. How did you try to reach me? Oh, I, I tried to call. There mm-hmm. we go. Okay. So, I mean, I'll call you within 24 hours, 48 hours, but I check my messages at the end of the day. 
because that's the best time. I'm working face to face with people all day. And then people can then understand and you're like, oh, you're not avoiding me. You generally are busy. You're, you're working hard. <laughs> it completely changes the conversation. Then you can say, well, what were you working on? How can I help you fix this? So that's one of the strategies, like I said. And like Jacob said, you sympathize first. And then sometimes you need to reference a previous conversation that you already had. Mm-hmm. And having that in your initial interaction, explaining that, expressing that really helps you diffuse a lot of agitation in those high energy conversations. Yeah. Right. So that's my method too. Nice. Hopefully that helps. I'm someone out there. Jacob gave you one perspective. I'm giving you another. So listeners, absolutely. like I said, I hope you brought your BBQ. <laughs> we dropping nuggets. And there's, like I said, there's not one way to do things. You know, it's, you know, everybody has their yeah. own way. Mm-hmm. And then I think yeah. people should just take a little bit of this, a little bit of that and apply it because everybody has different personality, right? Yeah. And I yes. think some people, when in a conflict situation, they're so reactive so to hear different strategies, there's actually ways to overcome conflict or alleviate conflict, what Jacob and Jim shared, versus just you're in the moment and you're being reactive because this other person right, is right. reactive. So we spoke about productivity. We spoke about balance, stress. We spoke about dealing with conflict. All these are excellent traits that I've seen in you, Jacob, over the years. Let's talk about goals. This is something I feel that is fundamental for a healthy, balanced life to be working, progressing towards something. It doesn't always mean very structured goals with deadlines and stuff like that. But what's your view on goals? Do you have goals? Does it help you in your life? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that goals are important. I mean, for me, I like to set short-term goals mostly. Mm -hmm. And I have the long-term goals kind of like in my head, but I feel like short-term goals are easier to achieve and then it helps you stay motivated to move forward. Because for example, let's say somebody says, my goal is to uh, buy a mansion or something, you know, but you're not there yet, right? So between there and buying the mansion, maybe there's a big, big gap and you may not want to continue doing that if you're not motivated. So I think short-term goals are easy. Like I said, uh, six months goals, right? So let's say I want to reach a certain financial uh, milestone. I want to, you know, do something with the family or I want to... Uh, be able to try something new. Like, let's say I started doing uh, like improv, right? So I wanted to sign up for improv. So I said, okay, I'm going to sign up for improv. I'm going to do this. Da, da, da. And so I think short-term goals are easier to achieve and they continue to motivate you to set new goals. You know what I mean? So for me, I, I'm a big proponent of short-term goals. I like it. Right? I like it. That keeps the kind of the fire under yeah. you as well because exactly. your, your timeline is shorter. They're closer in sight. Right. And it, it allows you... To kind of get that boost of energy once you do achieve it you're like okay i'm confident i can i can get to the next one right i really like that myself i find myself setting a lot of long-term mm-hmm. goals but once i find that short-term goal i can see through your example of what you said that the fire just kicks in you start writing things down right. you start doing the math making it make sense is this achievable how can i make it achievable yeah but I've always set a lot more long-term goals than short-term goals. Now, based on your information, I might switch that up a bit. And this may be an aha moment for our listeners too. Like, hmm, maybe I should ask more short-term goals. Yeah, but you know, and sometimes it's also good to have a mix. For example, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, you have your long-term goal, but then you set up those short-term goals to keep you motivated and accountable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. that's the important key to whatever motivates you because when I get up in the morning and I don't know what I'm going to work at, and then I have a bunch of tasks to do, I feel more overwhelmed. Right. But having some sort of 
short term, which connects to a long term goal. That gives me a little more purpose. It actually alleviates the stress because I feel I'm working towards something. And even though I have all these tasks and all these things that's going on, I have clear focus. I know what to work on. I'm working towards something. I'm progressing towards something. So I feel that is super helpful in having a just productive and staying motivated in your life. Right. Yeah. So Jacob, we're coming up on the end of the podcast. Is there a couple books that have influenced you in your life that you'd recommend to listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the books that I'm really excited about and I keep rereading it many, many times is is, it's called How to Live Mm -hmm. by Derek Sievers. Oh, I don't know if you heard of him, Derek. Yeah, I spoke to him once. Yeah. To Derek Sievers? Yeah, I spoke to him once. Yeah. Yeah, he's a cool guy. So one of his books is called How to Live. It's 27 life questions and one major conclusion. He goes through everything that people should be doing based on his philosophy to enrich your life. Small things like, you know, you need to move sometimes from where you live and live somewhere else. Or, you know, just basically get rid of all your stuff for a while and then try, you know what I mean? So different little experiments like that. So I really like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's another book uh, called Welcome Home by Asia Zabian. She's a Lebanese author. Okay. And again, she, she embraces the concept that I mentioned before to kind of like build a home inside your soul. And it's a more la- elaborate kind of guide. And then a fiction book that I like is, uh, it's called uh, The Graveyard Book by Neil Gaiman. It's a fictional mm-hmm. book, but it's very inspirational. And I think that if you like to read something that is not just business, I think this is kind of cool. But those, those are my three favorites right now. Nice. Awesome. And let the listeners know where people can find more about you. And I know you have a huge following on Instagram, a million plus followers on Instagram. And you don't only post, the thing I like about it is it's not only business related. You post a lot of right. lifestyle and yeah. Yeah, we post inspiration and uh, in the story, sometimes I'll share behind the scenes. So the best thing is to find me on Instagram. And that's what the base of everything. And the Instagram is uh, at San Diego Immigration Lawyer. Very simple, San Diego Immigration Lawyer. And then you can share the links in the notes. Yep. And that's probably the best place to start. And, you know, there are links to everywhere there. Yeah. Awesome. All right. James, do you have any last words before we wrap up? Man, I'm just happy that you decided to join us today, Jacob. Uh, it's definitely been a pleasure. Thanks, James. Appreciate it. Having you on the podcast, brother. Thank you for dropping some nuggets here. I know the listeners got a lot of information. I got a lot of insight myself personally. Thank you so much. Some how-tos, some breakdowns. I really loved how you spoke about it delegation and how you moved before you were comfortable. I love the conversation of uh, your conflict resolution, how you just choose to agree and make that decision first before you even go further in conversation. So thank you for sharing, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Before we leave, we always leave with one experiment that we want the listener to go do. So, Jacob, if from all these conversations, mm. you, if you have one experiment, one thing you want the listener to go do, what would that be? Well, I mean, I, I think it's kind of obvious. I would basically tell them to delegate one little thing that they don't like to do and, and actually make that shift and actually delegate it. Find somebody. It can be as small as cleaning your house or as big as delegating a task at work, I would say do it and let's see what happens. There you go. That's the experiment of the week. I love it. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) All right. So thanks again for listening. And I'm here with Dreams and Jacob. And that's a wrap. Until the next episode, have a great one. Take care. Thanks, Derek. Thanks, uh, Dreams. Appreciate it. Yeah. Boom. 
what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment. <laughs>